We're open for business life. This is Sheffield Live. Begbie's Trainer is an independent business rescue and recovery specialist. If your business has financial challenges requiring professional insights and solutions, Begbie's Trainer can help. We provide advice designed to help people and companies deal successfully with debt and financial problems. And wherever possible, we will find the best solution that allows for active steps towards financial recovery. Begbie's Trainer is an independent business rescue and recovery specialist. We're committed to providing a rapid and responsive service based on in-depth experience, professionalism and independent specialist expertise. Contact our Sheffield office or visit begbiz-trainergroup.com. We're open for business life. Good morning, it's just after nine o'clock. It's Friday, it's the 30th of June 2017. My name's Jamie Veach, I'm your host for the next hour for Sheffield Live's business and social enterprise programme, Business Live. We're broadcasting live from the Sheffield Live studio in the workstation building above the showroom cinema. This show is going out on FM radio and through our internet live stream. It will also be available as a podcast later from the Sheffield Live website. So what's on the programme today? Well, we've got uh, lots of exciting things coming up. Pam Warhurst, she was the founder of Incredible Edible, a movement that started with a bit of guerrilla gardening, planting peas in public places, but it's much more about growing your gourds. It's turned into a movement that uh, stretches from Canada all the way through to New Zealand, and it's been responsible for the support, the creation and the growth in numerous community businesses, not only in Todmorden, where it began, but all over the world. Pam Warhurst will be um, giving a few tips in an interview which we recorded on Monday when she was in Sheffield to present at a launch, uh, a Lunch Plus event, part of the Social Enterprise Exchange Programme. Along with Mark Ramsell, he's the founder of local social enterprise Plot 44. We'll be hearing both from both Pam and from Mark later on in the programme. Also joining me live in the studio today, Natalie Mosley and Paula Walsh of Lucy May Lingerie, a made-in-Sheffield brand, bringing these two highly experienced, skilled and talented um, experts in the lingerie industry together to produce, to create something really, really special. We'll hear more from Natalie and from Paula shortly. But before we do, what's been going on in business and in social enterprise? Well, company directors are twice as likely to suffer identity fraud as people who aren't company directors. According to a new report, that's right, identity fraudsters are disproportionately targeting company directors. So 9% of the population are company directors, but nearly 19% of identity fraud victims are company directors. According to the report, which is a collaboration between fraud prevention agency CIFAS and LexisNexis Risk Solutions, So fraudsters have been attempting to acquire credit files. Now, of their victims, 28% were in London, 47% in London and the South, 2% from Wales or the North East. Not only, though, are directors more likely to suffer from identity fraud, but they're also statistically more likely to suffer more than once, according to the report. And with company directors falling into the high-risk category for impersonations, it's 
particularly important for organisations to use their data intelligently to protect themselves and their customers in the fight against fraud. Identity fraud has risen 63% since 2010, according to the report, and have been over 173,000 cases in 2016 alone. Another new report was published this week, and it's found that many female founders of businesses are being ignored by male investors. Just 2.2% of all global venture capital money went to female founders in 2016. And that strongly suggests that a bias within the venture capital industry exists, according to the report. And a significant number of female entrepreneurs in the UK believe that male investors ignore them when they start pitching their business plan, according to the statistics, which were released by Albright. They surveyed 520 female-led startups and aspiring business owners, and 22% of their respondents felt that they hadn't been heard when speaking to investors. Another key finding from their survey found that women are most confident when they meet and network with like-minded people. And Albright also announced that only 2% of all global venture money went to female founders in 2016. Albright itself is an online platform. It's for female business owners and entrepreneurs, and it wants to nurture and to back the most outstanding female-led companies in the UK. It includes a female-focused crowdfunding platform, Albright Crowd, and an angel investor network, the Albright Angel Network. It was founded by Debbie Wasco and Anna Jones, who um, have had previous success working with Love Home Swap and Hearst. And they also launched a joint venture together previously, which is an online fashion marketplace, Share Style. Albright are hosting a Found Her Festival in Manchester next month. Check the details at the Albright website if you want to know more. And another new report came out this week, this one from HSBC. They have released a report suggesting that more Generation Y founders start businesses to make a name for themselves or to do social good than older entrepreneurs. And they they found that millennial entrepreneurs care less about money than baby boomers. So young founders want to take centre stage. They want to make a name for themselves. They're interested in launching startups that benefit communities and do so more than baby boomers. And they're more motivated by the prospect of making a name for themselves, according to the report. HSBC surveyed over 4,000 active decision makers in privately owned businesses in 11 countries. And um, one of the key drivers in launching businesses was becoming your own boss. Um, A second commonly given reason was that entrepreneurs want to do the best for their families. A third was to follow a passion. Other common drivers were to change lifestyles, have a positive economic impact, build a name for themselves and become more influential and change their communities for the better. But um, for millennials, the prospect of, um, of supporting and improving their communities was really important for 20% of them, whereas only 10, 10% of older Older people who started up businesses said the same. 
So HSBC put out a comment saying that for the young kids on the block, it's not all about the money, but it's about how their startups can benefit them and the people around them too. And finally, small business confidence. It's dropped in the UK for the first time since the EU referendum result, according to the quarterly index from the Federation for Small Businesses. Their confidence index dropped five points in quarter two of uh, this year to plus 15 from plus 20. So the biggest barrier to growth, according to their survey, is the current UK economy, according to uh, more than half of the small and medium-sized enterprises surveyed. Other concerns, apart from the economy, were consumer demand, labour costs and the tax burden, according to the FSB. And uh, they also said that operating costs for small business are at their highest point for four years. The index also revealed a gap in regional confidence, with Yorkshire one of the lowest areas in, in confidence, according to the index. So that's it for roundups. At the end of the show today, I'll be uh, flagging some forthcoming events that it's worth going along to in in Sheffield and uh, all over the country. And um, quick plug, though, if there's something that I've mentioned that you would like to respond to, if you want to comment on what's going on in business or in social enterprise, put yourself forward to be on the programme or suggest someone else to be on the show as well. Then you can get in touch and it's really easy to do so. All you need to do is email jamie at sheffieldlive.org. Send a text to 07904272200. Find me, Jamie Veach, on Twitter. Find Sheffield Live on Twitter as well. And whether you're starting or running a business or a social enterprise, whether you're an entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur, whether you're self-employed or an employer, we're always really keen to hear from you. So do do get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. Time now to turn to our studio guest today, and I'm really delighted to welcome Natalie Mosley and Paula Walsh of Lucy May Lingerie. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks ever so much for coming into the studio today. Nice, uh, nice to see you here. And uh, first of all, tell us a, a little bit about, about Lucy May. Okay. Well, Paula and I had been in the industry for... 24 years each yes and we both uh, in conjunction had got to a stage where we just wanted to go it alone I'd had a dream for a number of years to create my own brand called Lucy May in honor of my late nan and when I decided to go it alone I basically just went full throttle into creating the brand and um, knowing Paula in the industry we became chatting realized we were at the exact same stages in our lives where we were ready to do something alone and I asked Paula if she'd be interested in developing the brand with me and you know being very experienced together bringing our skill sets we decided that it was the perfect fit and we, we began to build the brand great stuff so it was that um uh, that desire to be your own boss, to do yes. your own thing um, for, for each of you. Perfect yeah. timing. You both, as you say, had significant, extensive experience. You both uh, worked for some, some businesses that uh, listeners might, might well have heard of, some, some well-known businesses in the industry. Yes, yeah. And, and you both wanted to do this at, at, the, at the same time. Absolutely fantastic. So you, um, you get together <laughs> to launch Lucy May. Uh, love the uh, the fact that the name is in honour of uh, your, Thank your you. grandmother. Yeah. Wonderful, and um, and you seem to be going from strength to strength. 
Definitely. I mean, we had an idea that we wanted to reach the end, con end consumer um, and we did extensive research how we could reach a particular type of woman and we found that a lot of ladies love escapism um, through uh, romance novels, etc. And we homed in, or Lucy May homed in, on certain forums where women across the globe get together and talk about the feel-good factor body confidence and just how they can lose themselves really and, and feel very womanly. Uh, Lucy May has been active now on the social networking forum for just over three years. Yes. She has a great following. She has a secret lingerie group called Lucy May's Love Affair with Lingerie. And basically women just lose themselves in what Lucy stands for. And obviously lingerie is pretty much the talk. Um, you know, if you feel good in yourself and you have lingerie that fits, then you're going to feel fantastic and this is what Lucy May promotes on a day-to-day -day basis through education, um, in chat rooms. She's invited in to chat about, you know, lingerie trends, body confidence. And she's getting a great following, actually, you know, worldwide in social networking. So it's been a great platform for us to start building the brand persona whilst in the background we're actually producing and developing our products. Yes, I, I really sort of love the idea of the brand persona that you, you've created here and you really understand her and you clearly really understand your target Definitely, market, your yes. target audience incredibly well and how you've then explored escapism forums populated and created by women all over the world who want to, uh, well, who enjoy the idea of Lucy May and, and who in, in, enjoy um, the literary genre as well. Yes. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a strong literary angle here as mm. well, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, these women, you know, uh, it's been fascinating, the kind of women that are in these forums, from lawyers, solicitors, high-powered jobs, but they need some downtime. They need to feel feminine. They want to sort of have that escapism and be around other women, like-minded women. And obviously, lingerie linked in with anything romantic or romantic poetry, romantic novels, literature. These women can lose themselves in that. And lingerie seems to be then the closest thing alongside the whole romance factor where women can start feeling good so, sort of from within. Uh, and we've, Lucy May has absolutely homed in on that factor. So women are starting to enjoy lingerie, but lingerie that fits and to be educated on beautiful lingerie that, you know, fits your curves, you feel good all day, you're comfortable, then you become sexy. And this is the whole sort of angle that we're working on and it's, it's proving to be, mm. you know, absolutely worth its weight in yeah. gold, so to yes. speak. Yeah. So this is about, um, about treating yourself to something that suits you, that you enjoy wearing and that fits. And Absolutely. You said perfect yeah. fit earlier. When you mentioned mm. sort of, Natalie, you mentioned how you and Paula got together in terms of as business partners wanting to do the same similar things at the same time. Yes. Perfect fit for both of you, but perfect fit is, uh, is uh, perhaps part of the mantra of the brand yes. as well then. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, we've. I mean, obviously, you now having been in the industry all these years, fit is so crucial yes. for us. We don't want it to be. You know, I mean, it is a lifestyle brand. Yes. But part of that feeling good is that you know you're in a comfortable, correctly fitting bra. Yes. Um, and that is so important that we'll never kind of lose that. You know, in with the design, it's always going to be 
fit is crucial. Yes, absolutely. And so I understand that you'll be carrying the Made in Sheffield mark. Yes. Proudly. Um, And um, is is that going to be a key part of your strategy in terms of engaging South Yorkshire women? Excuse me. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we've obviously for years and years we've worked overseas. That was the the, the thing to do. And obviously both Paul and I have travelled extensively. But we need to be so close to our product. We need to ensure that what we're saying about our product is actually physically there. And you do lose a certain element of control when working overseas in terms of your fit. Because you can work very hard from the UK but things can get lost in translation etc and we don't want that that risk because we we want to keep everything tight and controlled so we started to research producing products locally and after sort of you know a lot of hard work we just found the fit again Mm -hmm. to um, produce in Sheffield to get behind the ethos of the whole Made in Sheffield uh, brand, which we feel, again, there's the fit there because we, it's precision makeup for us, it's quality. You know, I'm from Sheffield. Yes. It's just a very strong package. And it's the way we feel things are moving forward. Um, and for us, it's, 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 it's just worked out perfectly we've now got the control so we can work very closely be more bespoke with women in terms of if they're slightly outside of a specific fit then we can engineer and become more bespoke and give them their perfect fit so yeah that's going working to be one of the benefits to the, of, yes. of, of a business of the size that you you are yeah, yes and yeah. being bespoke as well absolutely and so you've, you've been three years in development mm-hmm. and uh, you ha- you've had a, a launch event recently in Barnsley. Yes. Yeah. How did that go? Incredible. Um, yeah. we, the build-up to it was obviously we asked 10 ladies, um, everyday ladies, you know, um, mothers, wives, all different ages, shapes, sizes, if they would like to model our launch uh, range, which is Maybella. Um, we had a fantastic venue, incredible ladies that attended that just got behind the, the whole ethos of the brand, yes. from the escapism factor to the reality, the commercial reality of what the brand needs to do and achieve. But the models, to, to walk a catwalk in front of just under 80 women, yes. um, to music, to look sensation, to smile like they did, and just to embrace everyone... For us, it, it, it was completely, it meant yeah. everything was worthwhile. All the hard work just came together in that one evening to see all different ladies just loving our product and feeling so good in themselves. That yeah. And was... I think it helped to get that message across that it, it really is for everyone. Yes. You know, we had a broad sort of range of ages, sizes, yeah. shapes, and everyone could see that it looked incredible on every one of those yes. ladies. So, uh, yeah, it was yes. really good. So in terms of that, um, that, that comfort and perfect mm. fit message, and uh, it's a treat for you, um, yeah. for, for, for real people. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah. you can yeah. talk about it, which we've done quite a lot of, but to actually physically, you know, show people that, you know, one padded bra, one non-padded bra, a brief and a suspender can fit such a you know um spectrum of spectrum people, of people yeah. i think that is when everyone was like these ladies are absolutely true to their word this is what they are doing and they're they're showing it to everyone and i think for that 
it was um, it was a really emotional. Yeah, coming it together. Very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. So you're now on sale in several outlets in uh, in, in Sheffield. Yes. Yes. And so and then that, that will grow as well. You're being um, marketed also through house parties. I understand yes. as well and ladies' night with one to one consultations. And you have an online sales channel as well mm. at your at your website. Yes. And um, we can we'll mention a website address in a, in a moment when 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 we finish uh, the interview. And, and stockists, you're in um, three, I think, already. One on Eccleshall Road, one in Stocksbridge, one Fox Valley. Yes, at the moment. correct. But um, I wanted to ask uh, perhaps a little bit more about how your previous experience, how you've been able to harness that experience. To, to to launch this business because you, you're going from um, international uh, brands. Mm. Um, Nat- uh, Natalie, you were um, general manager of an international lingerie company, I, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and and you worked also with celebrity endorsed products as well. Yes. I, I believe. So, uh, and Paula, uh, similarly, you, you've worked with international brands and uh, a brand known to uh, to supply the queen as well so, yes. so very very different setting up your own business and then finding your supply mm. chain and so on um, mm. what has been the biggest challenge and what experiences have you um, have you brought that have been really valuable for you I think for myself um Anyone that, that, that knows me uh, knows I'm a team player, but I do like to be my own boss. Yeah. I've been very, very fortunate that my employers in the past have, have honed in on that. And there's been a trust value and that, you know, I've, I have lots of ideas, lots of conceptual ideas, and I'm very good at executing them. I've worked really hard over 24 years to think concepts through to delivery. So... I've gained a lot of confidence yes. in working at, 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 at levels where I've literally had to have the control there and deliver. Um, it had been a dream then to have a go at this alone. My dad's always had his own business from being a, a little boy. So mm. I think it's sort of been a mentality I've had to eventually, you know, have my own business. But it's very, very different when you suddenly go out there and you're on your own because yes. you've no longer got a multi-million pound business backing you. No. So you lose power. Um, the, the the thing that carries you forward is your experience and your sheer determination and Paula and I have literally gone through anything and everything to get to this point after three years through working in different factories different um, overseas locations um, we've we've had to go through every single process and evolve to get where we've got because it's we've self-funded yes um, so it's been it's been a very very difficult but incredibly rewarding journey okay mm. I bet it's been difficult and I bet it's been rewarding too yeah, yeah. yeah. so self-funded um, mm-hmm. and that's interesting as well because then you're um, Perhaps not able to start in a, in as big a way as a company that can um, that, that 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 has a large amount of, of mm. capital investment, mm. but you're maintaining control. Yes. And I talked at the start of the show today mm. also about uh, uh, entrepreneurs and their experiences with venture capital and mm. how venture capital is um, 
only 2% of it is going into women-led businesses. Mm. And uh, other statistics that we've talked about on the show in, in the past have shown that uh, only 7% of venture capital decision makers are, are um, female, the rest are male. And so whether it's an unconscious bias or a deliberate bias, uh, a lot of them are investing in, in men. Mm. Those stats we mentioned at the start of the show from uh, Debbie Wasco and Albright um, suggests that a problem hasn't hasn't gone away now you weren't relying on venture capital you weren't going out to investors and saying investing no i mean we made the conscious decision so that we could you know maintain control to self-fund and obviously that has its limitations we would have loved to have launched with more ranges um but you know it's as natalie said we've been through a massive learning curve um and at least now we've you know we're made in Sheffield we've got that flexibility going forward and we're already cracking on now with you know bringing the new product to to market so yeah there's been a few investors that have approached us but very much we would have been salaried yeah um so for me if that was the case I might as well have just stayed in a job because it wouldn't have truly felt like it was ours Mm. so we wanted to just have the freedom, the thought process to do it our way. Um, and for that, I've, it's been the best mm. thing we've ever done. Obviously, with any business, you know, you, you could always do with more capital. Yeah. But to get where we've got with the self-funding that we have, yeah. we've achieved an awful lot. So yes. for us, yeah, we're sort of now starting to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Whereas a year ago, when we're in the thick of everything, it was very, very difficult. Yeah. But we've got to this stage and we keep moving forward, which is, you know, again, it's, a, it's an achievement. It certainly um, is, yeah. 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 yeah, you have products mm. out there in the market now and people can buy them yeah. and clearly yes. people, um, people loving them from, yes. from what yes. you said about a launch party. Yeah. Yeah. So fantastic, that, that's great. Um, this journey then, three years, you mentioned, um, you mentioned it's been... Uh, as anyone would expect, and as, as happens mm. with any entrepreneur who we get on this, this program, um, full of ups and downs, hi, ups and downs, mm-hmm. highs and lows, challenges, and uh, and overcoming them. Yeah. Would you know now that you wish you'd known at the start of the the, the three year journey? What have you learned now that uh, would have been useful to know three years ago? I wish. Well, I think from a production perspective, I wish we'd have um, managed to do the research very very quickly, and we're making the products in the UK a lot sooner. Right. Because what the learning curve we've had overseas on many many levels because we've we've had to think from everything logistic time scales quality control um quantities bigger quantities overseas which anyone in the industry understands all this if we could have done what we're doing now sooner then i think that would have been the perfect solution however in business, you have to work through all the yeah. <laughs> the problems, yes. and you have to evolve, mm. and you have to move on from them. And at the time, the timing is crucial. And just at certain times that we've been working through this business, it wouldn't have quite mm. been right then, because we needed to get we needed to solve a lot of problems to be able to do it from here. And that's taken quite some time to do in terms of you know having availability for fabrics minimum issues etc etc componentry availability but we've solved all that now but it's taken time uh, time and effort but again for mm. me and Paula I think if we could have done this yeah. eight months ago we'd mm. have felt we'd have been further ahead but no regrets because again the people we've met on the journey to get to this point uh, you know has, has just been invaluable yeah. so 
Absolutely. Okay, great. And let's just finish then with um, uh, any advice on really getting into the sort of heads of your, of your market, because that's clearly what you understand the the needs, but also the imagination and the the wants of your market, and you understand where they are as well mm. uh, in terms of populating certain fora online throughout throughout the world. And that's going to be fantastic for mm. your e-commerce mm. side as well. You understand the sort of imagination element, you understand the, the literary element, and, and you understand um, that there are problems with many larger established brands that they um they're sort of a bit one size fits all whereas you can be um much much more a a perfect fit for people but you've you've done clearly you've done a lot of work on creating your brand persona that we talked about at the start of the interview and getting inside your customers heads um any tips on how to do that how businesses can do that i think well i think for us, selling into to big businesses, retailers, etc., you can be a little bit cut off from the end customer. You follow trends, you have your budgets, everything's you know price point related, yes. etc., which is is absolutely the case. But I think for us, we knew we needed to get to the end consumer. That was the absolute key. So that was part of our strategy. So then we had to work out how to do that. Yes, and I think retailers just need to be more in tune with the ladies that are buying the lingerie and the fit that is required because we have found through research that people call they have a saying well there's everyday lingerie there's my two pair packs my white lingerie my black lingerie then there's sexy lingerie but I can't wear that because it doesn't fit or if I if I do wear it I can only wear it for a couple of minutes and then it you know I can't wear it any longer well we want we've we bridge that gap because bedroom lingerie is about lingerie that fits, looks beautiful, and then you feel sexy. And I just think it's, it's, it's reaching these women and what they actually want and that they do want lingerie that fits. So I think it's the case of we've just homed in on that and we've found specific niche areas where women come together. And, and I think you have, to, you have to be passionate about it yourself. I mean, fortunately for Natalie and I, we were reading... You know, and for research purposes as well, but we completely got it and embraced yes. it. Yes. Um, and I think that's important then um, to get in the mindsets and, and believe in it yourself. Yes. It's a lifestyle. Mm. You know, we created Lucy May with the ethos that she is a lifestyle. She's an inspiration. We want people to aspire to what Lucy May stands for. And then everything else then starts slotting mm. into place. And obviously, lingerie being our specialism, it's just closely linked. It's a great starting point. A great starting point mm. indeed. Well, <laughs> onwards and, and upwards for Lucy May. And congratulations on, on your recent launch event. It sounds like it went incredibly well. And getting the product now mm. to market. Yes. Um, We'll have to get you back on the show in a year or so and see how things have yes. uh, things things have developed. <laughs> yeah. And um, meanwhile, um, should we give out the website address? I don't know if Natalie or Paul, or one of you, want to mention the website yeah. address first of all. It's uh, com. Superb. And for listeners locally, we have listeners from all over the world. Um, but we know that uh, 80% of you are in the Sheffield City region area too. So you can buy Lucy May locally in three different stores at the moment. And again, do you want to mention where those are? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, we're in Sanderson's Fox Valley, Butterfly on Exel Road and Bellarive in Stocksbridge. Super, great. Yeah. So you can get there too. And uh, we mentioned the website address, um, Natalie Mosley, Paula Walsh of uh, Lucy May Laundry. Thanks ever so much Thank for you, joining me today. And Thank uh, onwards, upwards, congratulations and all the best with the future. Great. Thank you. Thank you. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly business and social enterprise programme with me, Jamie Veach. We've just been hearing from Natalie Mosley and Paula Walsh of Lucy May Lingerie. And we're going to play a track of music which, um, which Natalie and Paula chose. And in fact, this uh, played at the recent uh, launch event in, um, in Barnsley, which they, they talked about during the, uh, during the interview that we have just heard. This is Esther Phillips and the track is Try Me. We're open for business life. This is Sheffield Live. Now, what else has been going on this week and what else do we have for you today? Well, on Monday of this week, I went along to an event called Lunch Plus, putting local food at the heart of community learning and business. Now, this was organised by the Social Enterprise Exchange Programme. If you haven't heard of the programme, take a look at socentexchange.net. That's S-O-C-E-N-T-X-C-H-A-N-G-E.net a support program for startup and for growing social enterprises and at the event on monday there were presentations from pam warhurst she's the chair and she was the founder of incredible edible this was an initiative originally pioneered in todmorden but now spreading globally um, all over the uk all over the world in fact with uh, well over 100 different communities embracing the incredible edible vision of using food as a catalyst for activity, community activity, learning activity, and local business support activity. Now, at, at the event, my um, colleague at Sheffield Live, Nicole Jewett, caught up with Pam Warhurst after her presentation to ask her a few questions about how Incredible Edible works with other social enterprises. And we're going to play the interview that uh, Nicole Jewett um, undertook with Pam Warhurst now. My name is Pam Warhurst and I'm from Incredible Edible. We've been listening to your presentation today about the Incredible Edibles project and I wanted to ask you how you work with other social enterprises on the project. Well, what we're trying to do is just create a context within which social enterprise can flourish. So we are a social enterprise in the sense that we're a bunch of people trying to do some social good and generate interest and perhaps income streams that means that we can pass our message on without chasing funding. Because the whole point of Incredible Edible is to use food to inspire people to think about their role in the future and their community and what they can do differently. Social enterprise is a really interesting concept because ordinary folks like me from Middle Terrace talk to ordinary folks who might just want to go and do something good. They don't kind of think, oh, you're a social enterprise, what are you going to do? So I think sometimes we need to demystify the concept of social enterprise in the first place. We're a bunch of people who want to find our own way of creating jobs in the future that give back to a community and that redefine prosperity through what we're doing. That's what we're all about. So I work with a few different social enterprises, but actually I just work with people. 
So we've created one ourselves called the Incredible Aqua Garden. The reason we created that was nobody was teaching urban growing skills and aquaponics in the place that I call home, Tobberdon. So in the absence of anybody else doing it, we set one up. And has it been challenging? Absolutely. But it's worth every single second of time. Some of our other incredible edible groups have set up their own social enterprises. Maybe they just don't want to chase funding, but so they kind of sell tickets for tours of edible plots, and that's a contribution. Or maybe they want to teach people and they've got contracts with schools, so that's a contribution. Nobody's making a load of money out of it, but everybody's feeding back into a movement for change. And I think, really, that's what social enterprises is all about, isn't it? We're all part of this movement for social change, and we're trying to find our own way of living well and prospering without undermining the ability of other people to do that. Fantastic. Thank you. And finally, just a, a bit of advice for budding entre- uh, social entrepreneurs. What's uh, the best bit of advice you can give to them? I would say the best bit of advice is treat time as your friend. Don't try and headbutt it. When you've got a great idea, when you've got a passion, start with something small or start with something you can demonstrate is bringing about change. But understand time has to be your friend. You're unlikely to do this in year one and two. But by the time you've got to year three, one, you'll know your craft a lot more, two, the world will know a lot more about it, and you will be flying. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, Pam. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pam Warhurst there. She's the chair and founder of Incredible Edible, and she's talking with my colleague Nicole Dewitt at a Lunch Plus event on Monday of this week. She talked about how Incredible Edible, which was founded in 2007, has grown into a worldwide movement, an international movement about food and using food as a catalyst to support community activity, to support learning and education, and also to support um, local businesses. Hugely successful, hugely interesting. And she gave a 10, uh, 12 minute uh, presentation. Pam's presentation was uh, filmed by Sheffield Live as well and is going to be uh, is going to be available to watch on the Social Enterprise Exchange website in, in due course. We'll flag that up when it when it goes live. But that three minute interview with 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 Pam was fantastic. I really enjoyed the uh, concept of treating time as your friend, but not trying to headbutt it lovely. Also at the event presenting on Monday was Mark Ramsor. He's a chair of Plot 44. This is a young emerging social and community business refreshing long abandoned allotments in the Rivlin Valley in Sheffield and bring them back into community and productive use. Uh, Nicole Dewitt also caught up with Mark after he gave his presentation and uh, recorded a three-minute interview with Mark and we're going to play that now. My name is Mark Ramsell and I'm chair of Plot 44 and uh, we're a not-for-profit social enterprise based in the Rivlin Valley on an allotment site. Fantastic. Can we start by asking you what advice you've got for other um, upstart um, social enterprises? Uh, For me, um, uh, the biggest advice is that follow your passions and your ideas. Um, If you've got an idea, take the time, take the time to actually think 
how can how can this work what it is that I can do and network with as many people as you can you'll have you'll have a, a set of skills that actually you can provide and, and make your social enterprise go as far as it can but you'll also need other people so one of the biggest things is, is to to find out what it is you're good at acknowledge what you're not so good at and find people that can help you support in terms of from an early development point of a social enterprise perfect that leads on nicely to my next question which is about how your project integrates with the local community and how other people can get involved right, okay uh, well plot 40 plot 44 um as i say is an allotment base and it was it developed from a need to um uh regenerate unused land uh, also to realise that people wanted spaces not only to grow food but they wanted spaces to socialise um, so we've, we've uh, developed small plots uh, for anybody who can come along and become a plot member um, and they have a, a, a dedicated space where them and their families can grow their own but equally so that there's uh, community spaces for for example, shared fruits and fruit trees, or there's cut flower beds, um, but there's also sort of provision for barbecuing and for um, pizza ovens or pond dipping, or even space to put on events like somebody, one of our members wants to put on a flamenco night and things like this. So what we've created is really a space where people of any walk of life can come along with any idea or anything they want to do and providing it's you know it's doable in terms of fiscally we can you know we can afford to sort of do it or we can find the resources to do it then then we can create something that anyone can benefit from and even if that's a member just drops in because the doors open and they're not necessarily a member they're a visitor in the river and valley and safe and uh, themselves and they come on across and say well, what's going on here you know, how can we get involved? Or, you know, can we just drop in as a, as a place for somewhere for my kids to potter a pond dip? I'm quite happy for that. So we're trying to be quite flexible uh, and not too prescriptive so that we reach more people than, than, than just a select few. Okay. And finally, why social enterprise and not commercial business or charity? Um, a social enterprise, I think that, I think that comes to, for, for me personally, is the, is the need to give something back. Um, and I, I think people... Um, respond better when actually they realise that there's a bit of philanthropy involved in that. Uh, I think for me personally, it makes me feel as if actually, you know, I'm not looking within Plot 44 to make a huge living. I'm looking to make a income to sustain its activities. Uh, and from that way, you know, and to protect the green space that potentially is at threat. So for me, the social enterprise was the obvious sort of model to do because it fit in with my core sort of belief system. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> Mark Ramsell there of Plot 44, talking with my colleague Nicole Jewett on Monday at a Lunch Plus event. Lunch Plus is a series of events, part of the Social Enterprise Exchange Programme. Uh, business networking on Monday. Um, the aim was to provide a diverse, inclusive platform, profiling um, key networks, sectors, new business opportunities, expertise, case studies, help for business and financial services across the Sheffield City region. Now, um, there are other Lunch Plus events going to take place and other events as part of the Social Enterprise Exchange Programme. So if you want to find out more about those and also about the support that the Social Enterprise Exchange Programme can offer to social enterprises, both uh, growth social enterprises and startups, then it's worth taking a look at Social Enterprise Exchange's website. That's SOCENT, then the letter X and then the word change.net, SOCENT Exchange.net. You can register for support there and there are details 
about uh, events, contracts, uh, grants, and other support available as well. So do take a look there. Business Live is our weekly business and social enterprise program. If you want to be on the program, if you want to put someone else to be on the, uh, forward to be on the show, if you think there's something that we should discuss, or if you want to comment on one of the announcements that we have made about what's going on in business and in social enterprise, then it's really easy to get in touch. All you need to do is email me, Jamie Veach, email jamie at sheffieldlive.org, or send a text to 07904. 272-200. You can find me, Jamie Veach, on Twitter as well. You can find Sheffield Live on Twitter too. We'll take another break for a bit more music. We're going to play some Nick Drake. This one is Northern Sky. We're open for Business Live. This is Sheffield Live. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly business and social enterprise programme with me, Jamie Veach. We're on air every Friday from 9am through to 10am and you can get in touch. Email jamie at sheffieldlive.org. Send a text to 07904272200. Find Sheffield Live on Twitter. Find me, Jamie Veach, on Twitter. We're always keen to hear from you, to hear from listeners with your comments on what we've been talking about, on what's going on in business and social enterprise and how it will affect you or your suggestions for what you'd like us to cover, or who you'd like us to get on the show. Talking about people on the show, it's been a really interesting programme today. It's always a really interesting programme because we have interesting guests on the show. Today, Natalie Mosley and Paula Walsh, they were, they were on the programme live in the studio with me earlier, talking about Lucy May. It's a brand, Lucy May Lingerie, made in high green here in Sheffield by a small and highly skilled production team. The brand carries the world-famous Made in Sheffield licence and the, uh, the the brand has been three years in development and has recently been launched selling now online and in three stores in Sheffield Natalie and Paula talked about creating the brand persona identifying their customers needs and requirements and how they have developed Lucy May it was really interesting to talk with Natalie and Paula and if you've only just tuned in and you've missed that then don't panic the podcast will be up on the Sheffield Live website later today from about 11am just go to sheffieldlive.org look up radio shows find business live and then you'll be able to find today's show, 30th of June programme. Also on the show today, we had some inter- interesting interviews with Pam Warhurst and with Mark Ramsell. Both Pam and Mark took part in an event on Monday, a Lunch Plus event, looking at putting local food, uh, making local food a catalyst for community, for education, for learning and for business. The Incredible Edible project is now well known all over the world. It's sparked groups from Canada through to New Zealand, a hundred groups all over the world, and it's given Todmorden food tourism. Yes, in fact, vegetable tourism, believe it or not. People flock to Todd to take part in a food and vegetable tour all around the town. What a phenomenal outcome for this product. Project started uh, 10 years ago. And Pam talked about it at an event on Monday. And we had a three-minute interview with with Pam on the programme today. Also, Mark Ramsell, Plot 44, a social enterprise active taking on uh, disused allotments in the Rivlin Valley in Sheffield. Again, if you've missed those, if you've only just tuned in, panic not because you'll be able to catch up with the podcasts on the Sheffield Live website. 
on the business live section. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks to my guest and thanks to Sangeeta in the studio with me today as our sound engineer. We'll be back on air next Friday from nine through to 10. So do tune in then. But don't go away now because next up on Sheffield Live is our fantastic folk music programme. Thank goodness it's folk. So stay tuned for that from 10 all the way through to noon. We'll play out with a track of music from Bright Season, Sheffield band, Sheffield folk uh, outfit Bright Season. And this is My Mother Taught Me How to Waltz. We're open for business life. This is Sheffield Live.